0: Would you bow your hearts in prayer with me? Father, we, uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can come together as a local expression of the body of Christ. We thank you that we are participating, not just with each other in this room, but with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Some of whom are in much larger rooms, some of whom are hidden, in small parts of houses, singing quietly so they can praise You and remain safe. And You hear us all. You are a great God. And You've, you've given us Your Word. And You have so powerfully and wonderfully and graciously guarded Your Word through time so that we can gather together and be taught and corrected and built and trained for righteousness. And so, Lord, with, with all the noise that we have going around us, with all the distractions of our week, with, uh, as some of us are attempting to read your word on our phones, with, with Facebook, just a couple convenient clicks away, we pray that you would help us to focus. As we come to your word in need. In need of what you would have to say. And so Lord help us. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Technology has given us an absolutely absurd amount of creature comforts from heated steering wheels to seats that cool us you can do almost anything from your phone and there's a whole generation or two of you in here and i'm talking to the upper generation who watched shows with goofy gadgets like get smart where you never would have thought that the day would actually come that you could receive a message only for you on your wrist. And here you are with your Apple Watches. We have devices in our homes that can play our music or can look up Google without us actually having to even look on a screen. You have robots that vacuum your house and mow your lawn. And with all of those absurd creature comforts, I think all of us can agree that this is also a deeply frustrating time to be alive. And isn't that weird? how we can have that many creature comforts and this much frustration. That is, as much as technology has resolved for us, it's also created a few problems. For example, we've never been more simultaneously connected and alone. We have never had so much information available, and yet no one seems to know what's actually going on. In fact, in that regard, I would say technology has made it much worse. If you want a a, a lengthy but thoughtful read on that, there's a really helpful article that has the best title in the world, Why the Last Ten Years of American History Have Been Uniquely Stupid. (laughs) I highly recommend reading it, by the way. And that with all this information, and I would argue with a lot of brands of information, We have a frustrating amount of confusion, and I want to suggest that our our problem is not the lack of information, but the lack of wisdom. That we have so much information available, but we do not have wisdom. And what we need is not another creature comfort. What we need is not another podcast, or book, or news platform, or news channel but wisdom. Wisdom with which to operate in the midst of the noise. Wisdom to guide us in the confusion that we could live in a God-glorifying way, that we can live in a way that benefits those around us and doesn't just suck us into the yelling matches that are going around. In, in in a step towards the passage that we're going to be in and the book we're going to be in for the next while, we look at King Solomon, who was a relatively young man and became king at a time when Israel seemed to be at its peak. And under under a king, uh, David, who had fought to expand the borders and who had plans to build this glorious temple to God, and Solomon comes in and how do you follow the footsteps of a guy like David and God came to Solomon and said I will give you anything you want you want peace I'll give you peace you want victory over your enemies I'll give you victory you want a long life I'll give you a long life you want innumerable riches I'll give you that and Solomon looking at the task in front of him of leading his king said God I need wisdom God, there's so much ahead of me that I don't know. There's a created order that you've given to this kingdom, and I need help with it. If I'm going to lead this people, I don't need money. I don't need military success. I don't need years. I need wisdom. And so God graciously gave him wisdom and all the other things that he could have asked for as well. And so Solomon, in this abundant heavenly wisdom he's been given, Becomes famous, and kings and queens from all over come, bearing gifts, marveling at his wisdom, and this unique wisdom that Solomon has. And and one of the things that Solomon did to serve his people, and us, is he put them in this fine collection we call Proverbs. And we have other collections of Solomon's wisdom and scripture, but we're going to be looking at this collection. And I want to liken it to an art collection, that you would, you would go to a museum that has all things da Vinci. And you would be able to go and marvel at his drawings, at his inventions at his paintings, at at his his collections of all this great work of this great masterful once-in-history artist. And here in the book of Proverbs, it's what we have. We have this treasure collection of, of wisdom and sayings that people used to literally travel the world to go hear Solomon himself tell them these things. And we get to study it. What a joy, what a treasure. So over the next few weeks, we're going to uh, build, hopefully, a vision of the richness of wisdom, and then for a few weeks after that, we're going to, uh, with some themes that are in Proverbs, look at the robbers of the riches of wisdom. So we're going to look at these glorious riches, how, how wisdom is to be desired more than gold or silver or fine precious gems. And we're going to look at those things that would rob us of the riches of wisdom. Things like laziness and greed. Things like an unteachable heart. Things like our own selfishness. And so let us read now Proverbs chapter 1 as we dig in. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of delight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the, to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And those and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland on your head and pendants for your neck my son if sinners entice you do not consent If they say, oh, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason like Sheol. Let us swallow them alive and the whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed blood, for in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors wisdom cries aloud in the street in the markets she raises her voice at the end of noisy streets she cries out at the entrance of the city gates she speaks how long O simple ones will you love being simple how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools in their hate knowledge If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, and I have stretched out my hand and no one is heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord would have none of my counsel and despise my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Boy, that's a lot. We have this once in history wisdom from heaven available to us. And in order to capitalize on this unique and glorious opportunity, we must pay attention to the source. We need to pay attention to the source. We've grown accustomed to the fact that when we go to a museum and we interact with relics and antiquity, we really have a a, fairly platonic relationship with them they are kept safe from our contamination it is is a great risk to any museum that, that a human hand would touch what it has because that human hand will destroy it or its flash photography will degrade it this collection however is quite different and it is absolutely intended to be interacted with It's, I mean, imagine going to the Louvre. And you go to the the section of the Louvre devoted to Egyptian treasures. And you see these pharaoh tombs and all this gold. And it's stuff you've only seen in pictures and history books. And you go there, and instead of being behind this really thick glass, they say, oh, we want you to touch it. We want you to open it. We want you to do all this stuff. You'd be like, well, this is insane. There's like a madman running this museum. But you would go away impacted by those historical artifacts. You would go away deeply moved. And here the Proverbs is calling out for us to not come and be distant and platonic from it, but for us to come and be and, and interact with these, these, these sayings of wisdom. With no fear that we would in any way tarnish the wisdom, but in the absolute hope that the wisdom will impact us and it will change us. There's this verse two: know wisdom and instruction. Understand the words of of insight. Receive this instruction. We open this book so that we can be changed. And this isn't just Proverbs, this is all of Scripture. We come to it in hope and in need that we would be changed, that we would be reproofed, that we would be instructed. And so he starts to lay out the benefits of those who would receive this wisdom, that we would receive instruction with righteousness and justice and equity, things that God cares deeply about, things with which there's a whole lot of voices on, and we need the Lord's voice to be clear to us. That we would deal well in righteousness. That we, as God's people, would deal well in justice and equity. And then there's these these two broad categories of people who need this. There's the simple. That they would gain prudence and knowledge and discretion. And that the wise would increase in learning. That the wise would receive guidance. That the the wise would, would increase in understanding. You see, wisdom knows how life really works. It's different than knowledge. It involves knowledge, but it's properly applying that knowledge. See, if I have an electrician come to my house, and this electrician is just out of trade school, just just recently received their certification, then they will come equipped with some new shiny tools. Maybe some of them are still in their packaging. They'll know the names of those tools. They'll know some fancy terms about electricity that I I don't know anything about. Like I, I thought Hertz was either a donut or a car rental company. Turns out it has something to do with electricity. I don't know what it does. This guy will know what it does. And he might even know what my problem is. But then when he leaves, I might still have that problem or even a worse one. But then you get a wise, experienced, seasoned electrician. They come in. They don't try to impress you with any of their malarkey or their proper name for what we all know is actually a screwdriver. They come in. They see the problem. They go, hmm. And before you know it, it's like the problem has almost fixed itself. It's like your house develops an immune system when this person is there working on it. Because of their wisdom. They know the proper way things work. And wisdom is is saying God has an order to this. And when I walk in that order, things go well and there's blessings that I need guidance. Because God has a specific plan And and order that impacts finances and family and sexuality and work and generosity and the oppression of other people and how to deal with that. And I need to be able to properly apply the Ten Commandments in a life that has a whole lot more than ten categories. And so I need God's wisdom and so it's for the simple. And, it's, and if you're offended that it would be for the simple and that the, the Bible might be calling you a simple-minded person, it's also for the wise. And it's for those who are actually simple but think they're wise. And so this fruit plays out of, of knowing how to deal in these complex issues, of having prudence and knowledge and discretion And continued learning and growth and being guided. But it starts at a place. And we need to know the the source. We need to know the headwaters of wisdom. And so we come to one of the only verses in Proverbs that people tend to memorize. There's a few, but this is one of the only ones. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom instruction it starts with who God is and our wisdom as we approach the world and try to figure out God's design we have to start with who God is and to live in the fear of the Lord is not to live a life of of paranoia and fear that God's just going to strike you down like anytime there's a cloud in the sky you're like well have I said something suspicious about God because I might be a ripe target for a lightning bolt right now That's not living in the fear of the Lord. Living in the fear of the Lord is to reverently understand that God is the holy creator of all things, who created all things with a purpose, and I have the capacity and propensity to rebel against that purpose. And that's a problem. Living outside the design of the the Lord has, has natural and supernatural Consequences. And so I start my understanding of reality with the understanding that there is a maker and judge of all creation. Ray Ortland, in his commentary on Proverbs, he, he talks about how Descartes starts his understanding with, I think, therefore I am, that he builds his reality outwards from himself. And Ortland says, the Bible reverses Descartes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge starts with God and then it moves towards us. What two plus two equals four is to calculus, the fear of the Lord is to wisdom. And Ortland says we start there being the fear of God and we never leave it behind. And that is so crucial so many people they'll start with the fear of God they'll they'll in their in their young walk with the Lord they'll have this fear of the Lord and it's healthy and then they'll somehow think they've grown out of it almost as though they've in their spiritual walk become a peer to God oh god i know a long time ago you said that was sinful and wrong but you know i've I read a theology book by someone who might not even be a believer, and so I think I know what's right better than you. Or I've lived this human life as though Jesus didn't come. And so we need to start with the fear of the Lord and stay on the fear of the Lord, because God does not change like the shifting shadows. We are the one who do that. Ortland goes on to say, The fear of the Lord is when we realize, I am not the measure of all things. I am being measured. Let me say that again. I am not the measure of all things. I am being measured. Hebrews tells us that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing joint and marrow, and by it all creation will be judged. Colossians tells me that I was made by Jesus for Jesus. It is about the Lord, not about me. And so I need to have this fear of God, but then I also need to have a desire to be corrected and reproofed by the Lord. So the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of folly and foolishness is to say, I don't need to be told what to do. I am fine. I've reached the epitome of knowledge and wisdom and everything that is good. Now, no one would actually, well, a few people would actually say that. But when we hear, when we have God's word come and say, this is what it means to honor the Lord in holiness with your body, and we say, no, I'm going to love whoever I want to love, when I want to love them, and how I want to love them, and as many of them as I want to love That's the early steps, or even later steps, of foolishness to say, God, I will not be corrected by you. We are told that a fellow believer should not be in need if we have what what it is they're needing. If we have extra of that, that we should just be graciously given and be like, you know what, I worked for this, I don't need to share with anyone. Those are early steps of foolishness to be willing to treat someone made in the likeness of God as though they are not, no matter whether or not they agree or disagree with us, is in these steps of not wanting to be corrected and receive instruction. So we start with this source, which is the fear of the Lord and accepting correction, the assumption that I need to be corrected. And then we need to listen carefully there are competing voices here in the rest of Proverbs. And it starts out, the, son, the father is saying to the son, and we'll get more into this in coming weeks, I, I, I wonder, just as a contextual question, is, is Proverbs primarily written from Solomon to Rehoboam, his son who took over the kingship and, and shipwrecked the nation? Is Solomon needing to listen to this himself is another question we'll be asking in coming weeks. But here we have, hear your father's instruction, don't forsake your mother's teaching. And there's these two two verses on listen to the source of wisdom, and then there's five verses given to the enticement of sinners. And I want to just make a general observation here that a lot of times the voice we need to listen to the most is is not the loudest one in the room we in our week you think of the amount of voices that you are taking in whether it's through whatever show you're binging on your favorite streaming service music you're listening to the talk you're listening to on podcasts or radio the 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 whatever it is you're watching in the morning or in the evening, how much of of Scripture you're reading throughout the week, all this information, I find that in my life, the wisest voices are rarely the loudest voices. And so we need to listen carefully. Because he's telling them, listen to me, listen to your mother, listen to this sound teaching. It will be graceful garland and pendants for your neck. This garland, this is not like you're not going to be walking around all year with Christmas tree decorations. Uh, Although there's a few of you who would like that, and you need help. (laughs) This is, the garland is the, in this Roman culture, is the Olympian's wreath. Independence, well, we get that. That's the medals. And when we, when we walk in wisdom, it's not that we go around saying, look how great I am, but that people look at us and say, something's going on there that, that's different. And there is a certain amount of victory with that and, and a calmness to that and certainly an honorable outcome to walking in wisdom. And then we get the voice of the sinners coming to entice And he's saying, do not consent to them. And I want to say, he's saying, do not consent to those who would have fraudulent gain through fraudulent acts offering fraudulent community. I think there's a lot of people, in fact, I'm pretty certain of this, that there's a lot of people that pursue lives of violence not because they are so greedy for gain, not because they are so malicious at the beginning, but they are so desperate for community and they are finding that community. This is one of the foundational parts of gang life is we have all these young men who don't have someone coming around them and really helping them and showing them community and the only place they're getting community is a gang. And they're saying, we'll help you, we'll be with you, we'll care for you, but you need to join us. And so the sinners, they have this this pursuit of violent, underhanded gain for richness that is not theirs. There's a malicious nature to it. But the invitation is us, 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 we, we, us, we will have one purse. And they do not operate out of a fear of the Lord. But they operate out of a, I am at the center, I will build my own castle, I will build my own gain. And they pursue violence and injustice. Really what they are doing is pursuing wealth through greed and laziness. Taking what someone else has worked hard for without working for it themselves this is a major robber of the riches of wisdom and it always has victims when we go against the way of the lord there will be victims there will be those who are hurt there will be more brokenness in the wake of it. Well, let's notice who it is that's calling to him. It's sinners. And so as we have these loud voices, we have the voice of wisdom, which we're going to see is calling from the end. And so by the time it gets to us, it may be a little quieter, a little drowned out by the noise around us. But it is the call of those who would not fear the Lord. And the call of those who would lead to sin. And I need to realize as I read this, that I too am a sinner. And that if I am not humble and careful, if I am not keeping grounded in the fear of the Lord, that I could potentially draw others into shameful acts. I need to stay central on the fear of God. So that I don't become enticed By the call of the sinner. And so that I don't give the call of the the sinner. And so then we come to this this fruit. And really what it is, is the fruit of the enticers, of the sinful enticers, is a self-destructive force. They set their own trap. They really lie in wait for their own blood. And there's a foolishness in what they do. It's like trying to trap a bird and showing it all that you're doing. Except they set their own trap. And Solomon has a crafty way here of not calling them just outright stupid, but he's calling them outright stupid. If you think you can do this and get away with it, if you think you can act shamefully, if you think you can pursue a gain outside of God's will, it will fail. You will reap what you sow. And so we need to heed the call, heed the call of wisdom. The sinners are yelling, but so is wisdom, crying aloud in the streets and the markets. I was, uh, I I, I imagine when I I read this, the, the marketplaces in developing countries, where there's this hustle and bustle, and there's just all these little shops, and people are calling out, I have something to sell you. I have something to sell you. I have something to give you. And, and one of the, the, the pharmacies in Haiti is someone in a truck with the worst speakers you can imagine, blaring into a microphone. If you have a headache, if you have a stomachache, if you're not feeling good, I got something for you. I got. And they're, they're peddling ibuprofen and Imodium or knockoffs thereof or, or maybe just placebos. Uh, but it's just so loud. I have what you need. I have what you need. I have what you need. And the, the picture we're given here is that there's, a, there's the, the head of the street of the market. So the market's going out and wisdom's back here and there's all the noise of the market and wisdom is going, are you simple? I can give you correction. You need wisdom. You don't need all that other stuff. You need what I have. And while wisdom is crying out, if you would turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you, and I will make my words known to you. I will give you what you need. And while wisdom, wisdom's crying out, there's someone over in the side going, I got cheap gum here. You want cheap gum? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll take cheap gum. All the while, wisdom is crying out. And this is something we need to hear because God's wisdom and God's spirit is crying out to us. I have a better way. None of those other sources know what to do. None of those other sources know how to walk as the salt of the earth to be the city on the hill that would draw people to me, that would point them towards everlasting hope. Meanwhile, we're sitting here going, click, 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 or scroll, scroll, scroll getting sound bites of echo chambers. Filling ourselves with things that we, our flesh naturally agrees with, maybe even parts of our spirit naturally agree with, but they, they don't produce fruit of the Spirit in us, do they? And wisdom is crying out. I have a better way. There's a better way to walk in this life But it requires us to say, I'm willing to be reproofed. Which is not the most enjoyable of things you can do. But it is absolutely necessary. It's calling to us, offering us change, offering us growth, offering us a newness. And then wisdom takes on a prophetic voice to all those who would choose the worst, worthless things compared to the wisdom. You've ignored my counsel. You'd have none of my reproof. So I'm going to laugh at your calamity. There's a whole lot of people that ignore wisdom over and over and over again, who ignore the Lord over and over and over again, and then find themselves in this terrible place, and they say, wow, you know, I've just spent my whole life Gambling and drinking, and now I don't know what's wrong. I spent my whole life fulfilling whatever desire would come into my flesh and screaming at whoever would disagree with me and have a, I'm just going to take my ball and go home mentality. And I find myself alone. And wisdom says, you get yourself to the point where it's too late and you want me to come in and save you. And look at verse 29. This is the the summary of it. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. As we go over the next couple months, and especially as we're going through the robbers, what we're going to see in the robbers is they don't fear the Lord. Over and over and over again. Laziness has no fear of the Lord. Sexual immorality has no fear of the Lord. Greed and selfishness has no fear of the Lord. Has no teachable heart. But when we have a fear of the Lord and a teachable heart, and we we consistently walk in those, we'll find that fearing the Lord and being teachable and soft-hearted will save us from a whole lot of trouble. We'll still have trouble. You're always going to have trouble in this life. And I don't want you to hear this and think, well, I had a really hard week. Wisdom must have abandoned me. That's not what I'm saying. In the midst of our trouble, wisdom will give us light, will give us a steadfastness, Walking with the Lord and trusting in Him will give us a peace in the midst of that storm that we would never have apart from Him. That's what I want us to hear. Because there's this fruit, whoever listens to me will dwell secure, will be at ease without dread of disaster. that when disaster does come, we can have a peace that transcends understanding, knowing who the Lord is. We can have a peace for those who have called on the name of the Lord, for those who have given themselves to God, for those who have said, Jesus is my Lord, and I believe that, the, that He was raised from the dead, that we can face that disaster knowing that I am held securely in Christ and He is in God. Nothing can touch me. And this is where the fear of the Lord draws us to communion, draws us to to the Lord's Supper, to remembering that Jesus had his flesh torn and his blood poured out for us. That the fear of the Lord is, when I walk in the fear of the Lord, it's me saying, God, you are holy, and I have rebelled against you, and I need your help to get me back. And so I remember my rebellion, I remember my need, and I remember God's glorious and rich supply. And remember, remembering Christ died has to involve, it needs to involve the fact that God is infinitely holy and he would respond in grace, and I need to be changed. Changed. And so as we are are entering into this time of looking at our need for this wisdom, let us every step of the way remember who God is, who we are, and what God has done about that. As those who are coming to help lead in communion and serve communion, let's, let's bow in prayer. Father, you are so glorious, you are so mighty. And Lord, we have rebelled. We have walked away from you. And we need your correction and reproof. And we thank you that you love us enough to generously give it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.